Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back. Welcome back to an athlete's journey. And today I got a special guest. Somebody I just met recently, but uh, man, he's doing so, so much. Uh, and he has, you know, he, he did something that was very near dear to my heart, you know, because my father uh, wasn't in the military. He was also in the military himself. Uh, I always want to say thank you. We appreciate, we you know, your service and, uh, you know, appreciate everything you did. Um, but yeah, I just want to say he's, you know, pretty, pretty cool person. And like I said, he has a lot going for himself. And we'll discuss some of those things today in this interview. And like I said, he's he going to tell you what everything is going on. And we'll, we're going to start this conversation by introducing yourself. All right. Well, my name is Patrick Yankee, and uh, I'm a certified financial planner by day. But uh, on the side, as a passion project, I'm a uh, speaker, keynote speaker and uh, and author. And uh, my passion in, the, in, in my speaking business, uh, I found it really revolves around living the cardinal virtues. Um, and that's not necessarily intentional. Uh, it's things that uh, I've learned over the years that uh, that I speak about and I counsel people about. And uh, independently, I wrote a, a book on uh, a religious book on living the cardinal virtues. And then I also developed a, a talk on servant leadership and kind of find out a couple of years later, without even being intentionally, intentionally doing so, I incorporated the principles in, of the same things into both. Uh, so actually living uh, as a servant leader is also living the cardinal virtues. So. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a little bit of who I am uh, and and how this has kind of evolved. It's uh, it, it's fascinating to me how it evolves. <laughs> when you get kind of fo- laser focused on something and it just kind of manifests in different ways. <laughs> no, no, definitely, definitely. And we're going to definitely get into your, you know, books, that, you know, uh, that you that you've written and obviously your website, everything like this. But how did your journey actually start, you know, to where you became, you know, what you became today? Well, it's ironic. Um very few people end up where they intend to be. You know, we, uh, we, we step out on a journey, we encounter the forest, we make turns through the forest and we come out the other side and say, that was a great trip. And I'm nowhere I th- where I thought it would be. <laughs> and it's a little bit like, like that for me as well. Um, when I was 10 years old, I actually had the idea of writing a book and the title of the book I've known since I was 10 years old. Why? With a period, not a question mark. And the, it, it goes, it talks about the, the trials and, and tribulations of life, but the ultimate why is because God said so. So I've always known I wanted to be in some way an author at some point since I was like 10 years old. Uh, but along the way, you know, life gets uh, gets moving. And uh, I also realized at some point I wanted to be a pilot. And uh, so I looked at the, the Air Force Academy as a great way uh, to realize the dream of being a pilot. And I thank God I got to be an instructor pilot on the front range of the Rocky Mountains flying gliders while I was a cadet at the Air Force Academy. Uh, but then uh, life takes a turn. And uh, graduated in 1993, draw down from the Gulf War. They don't need pilots anymore. So I became more of a business manager in the Air Force. And uh, that taught me a whole different side of life. Uh, but backing up just a little bit, my uh, my boss, when I was at, uh, uh, or not my boss, my dad's boss, when I was uh, a junior at the Air Academy, called me up one day and said, if you ever leave the military, I want to hire you too. And my dad was with A.G. Edwards as a financial planner. So all this through my Air Force time, I knew what I was going to follow on to. Uh, became that financial planner when the time came to, to finally get out of the Air Force. 
And uh, but still in the back of my mind, still wanted to be that speaker and author. Uh, so now I do both. Um, you know, the, the day job's got to come first. I've got a commitment to the people <laughs> I work with. But uh, but every opportunity I get, I uh, love uh, being out there sharing principles of leadership, principles of uh, self-understanding and self-motivation. Um, one thing I didn't mention with my background is I actually started in the Army. I didn't mm-hmm. get into the Air Force Academy my first try. So I, I went to basic at Fort Knox, uh, spent a year at an Army school. Uh, got an appointment to the academy, and I got to see leadership from two different perspectives. And so I, I, I'm, I'm two different services in the military, Fortune 500 training uh, in the uh, in the civilian world, and uh, I have a passion for sharing what what I've gleaned from all of that on on principles of leadership. Mm. I, I, you might be the first person I've ever heard that has, you know, besides maybe David Goggins, has been in <laughs> both the <laughs> Army and the Air Force. Um, that's actually yeah, I like, interesting. I like to tell people I'm a glutton for punishment. You know, with the basic <laughs> at Fort Knox, and of course, go to the academy. You got to go through basic all over again. So basic training twice. Did you know that you wanted to do that? Uh, you know, like growing up, or you just wanted to do kind of you know learn your way. So the army happened. Uh, the Air Force was intentional. Uh, when I was in eighth grade, you know, y- your dad gives you a lot of talks in life to, to sharing philosophy, and one of the philosophies he shared was you're going to spend a lot of time in life working at a job. So make sure that it's a job you enjoy. So many times we'd been to see the, the Thunderbirds flying at Air Force bases and stuff growing up. Mm-hmm. When it was in eighth grade, it finally dawned on me watching these planes fly through the sky. I was like, I want to do that. And so that started my journey to the Air Force Academy. And I didn't mm-hmm. get in my first try. I was offered prep school. And that prep school was an Army school, uh, Marion Military Institute in Alabama. And that's where my Army uh, background came from. And prior to attending the school, went to basic at Fort Knox and that, that's how that journey came about. The Army wasn't intentional. The Air Force was intentional. Okay, okay, okay. So how long were you in the military, uh, you know, Army and Air Force? Uh, seven years active duty. So you got uh, a year's time uh, in the Army, you got four years at the Air Force Academy, and then you got seven years active duty. Oh, wow. And you said you went out to, you went out to uh, Desert Storm? No, thankfully it was uh, after that. Uh, oh, however, I did, uh, get, I did get to play to Saudi Arabia uh uh, but just a month of, a month or so after uh, the Kobar Towers bombing, so that was oh, wow. uh, fascinating. Yeah, it's fascinating being in Saudi Arabia in that environment, and it, I, I, that was one where I wasn't sure I was going to come home. I figured that was, uh, you know, the precursor to lots more attacks on uh, U.S. troops, and I was prepared that that could be it. So I, I never was in combat, but I certainly had, did have, uh, I, I did have a perspective on my more on mortality in that time frame. Mm, okay. So, like, after you do your, you know, you serve your time, you come back to the States, then what what happens next for you? So, I knew it was uh, time to get out when uh, the Air Force, it, it wasn't quite working out in the way that I would like. I mean, my, my, my career prospects were great. I was doing wonderful things. But I also knew I wanted a family. You know, back when I was deciding what service I wanted to go into, I was also inspired by a lot of late Navy movies, you know, a lot of us Top Gun and that sort of thing, you know. <laughs> um, so they fly there, too. And if you want to fly, well, there's Air Force and Navy, it's two, two great options. But I knew I did not want to spend six months at sea on a ship. I wanted to have a family life. I wanted to be home. I wanted, you know, yes, go off and serve uh, my, my country, but I wanted to be home with my family when I could be. Mm-hmm. Not as a matter of a way of life. I'd be gone six months at a time. So I chose against the Navy for that reason. And the timing for me to get out is when the Air Force is kicking up their air expeditionary forces, and they're starting to spend six months deployed as the, as a wing and as a unit. Uh, this is this turning into very much uh, the Navy model at the time. And I said, okay, well, this is something I purposely decided against. Uh, I did want to have uh, you know somewhat of a normal life, 
So I knew I'd be getting out at some point. I intended to make a career. Uh, so I cut it short and said, okay, well, I guess I'm not sticking for a career. It's time to get on with the things that matter to me. Okay. Wow. Like I said, like the, yeah. Yeah, the, the six months, eight months, whatever it is to be in the point. <laughs> Whew, that would be hard to have some some kind of family because you always you know you're always gone you know I couldn't exactly. tell you I couldn't tell you how many times that you know my father would be gone for you know eight months six months you know on some base somewhere and we couldn't go oh <laughs> yeah yeah I've got a very close friend who's like a brother to me actually like a cousin I guess but uh, but we grew up uh, close together because his uh, his uh, his dad was constantly deployed with the uh, the navy. Mm-hmm. And so uh, his mother and uh, and him were always staying with us at our house. So we grew up, you know, side by side. But I, I but I watched this so all the way through his growing up life, and I respect the heck out of him uh, for for the life that they lived and uh, for the uh, for his Navy journey of, of his dad. But we make choices with our priorities in life, and one of my priorities was to actually be there for my family as much as I possibly could, physically be there. And I knew I could not do that life. No, I understand that. I understand that. So. You're out, and then you, you figure out. I mean, actually, it seems like you figured out your career pretty pretty early. Generally um, true. Yeah, yeah. My most resume, is, my resume is pretty short. I did this and I did this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because most people have to figure out. I mean, for myself, I had to figure out after I retired from basketball. I was like, man, what do I do? I don't know what I am right now. I don't know what to do with, with my life. It's kind of I don't I don't want to say like it's a PTSD. As bad as you know, you know, like military. I want to even compare the two, but like, yeah. But I want to say like it was really, really hard because we had to figure. You know, I had to figure out. I had a son at the time. I had to figure out. Okay, I got to provide for him, but I also want to do something. Uh, It's it's a major culture shock. Yeah, whether you're coming out of the military or coming out of uh, any sort of regimented life, where this is, you know, your your life is constantly preparing for the next game and looking at uh, how are we going to practice against this and this 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 uh, this team and then that team and then that team. That is your life, and when that ends, it's like what what's beyond that? I I I perfectly get that. The military is very much the same way. I mean, you're constantly preparing for an enemy and that sort of thing, and it's all about focused on that mission. And when that mission ends, what's my new mission? Yes, agreed a hundred percent with you, and that's how I felt. I was just like, I didn't know, I didn't know what to do, you know. But like, like it's like you were saying, like you seemed like you knew exactly. Okay, I well, you're the first person I ever heard, by the way, that you said you wanted to be an offer at ten years old. I've never heard that. <laughs> <laughs> never, no one. Yeah, we didn't talk about that when we were playing recess. <laughs> I, I can't say I mentioned it to too many people, but it was always in the back of my mind. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, t- tell me about the process of that. How did How did you get the process of writing writing your uh, material? Well. Um... So obviously, I was focused very much on uh, my day job, which I've been at for 24 years now. So I, you know, it's, it's been, you know, it's been a long journey there. Uh, but somewhere along the way, you know, you take some of the lessons that you're teaching people. You know, in, in the financial planning realm, we, we I preach diversification. You know, what you want your your people to be diversified. You don't want to be all your eggs in one basket, that sort of thing. And I think about it that I am that person. I am all eggs in one basket. You know, my my job is in the markets. My savings are in the markets, and all this sort of stuff. Everything is geared in one area. And that certainly brought it home in the fiscal crisis, 2007, 2008, when we're all staring down the abyss and saying, now what? So, yeah, I, 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 I know what it's like to get that, that real clench uh, to say, OK, I, I, I don't know where I go uh, if, if this all works out the way it, it could. So I knew I need to be diversified. And so I looked at uh, I, I talked to a friend of mine who had uh, a business where they sell business franchises. 
And I said, okay, I'm looking for something that's absent or semi-absent, you know, vending machines, whatever, you know, just, you know, you, you kind of stock these things, let them do their thing. And I've got uh, another stream of income coming in. I'm diversifying a business. After an, a couple of years of working with them and trying to find something, I just nothing clicked, nothing sounded good. And it finally dawned on me that public speaking is its own career field. And I love public speaking. I've been doing it uh, throughout my life. I mean, I was uh, selected to be the MC of the talent show when I was in grade school. And, you know, I, 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 that's how far back I, I just getting in front of an audience, hand me a microphone and let me talk. And I, I love to do it. So one of my jobs in the Air Force, you know, when I uh, when I graduated, uh, I went into services, uh, services, you know, food service, fitness, lodging, libraries, all that kind of stuff, you know, business type entities on the base. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really satisfied at the time. I call myself a disgruntled pilot and I had a very supportive boss. And she said, you know what? There's actually a job that's opened up on the base as a captain's billet. And I'm only a six month second lieutenant, but she said, I think you'd be perfect at it. You should go to an interview. Well, I went and interviewed, I got the job and I became chief of advertising and promotions across the Southeast region for the air force. Wow. And that's for recruiting. Yeah, exactly. And so my job literally was going to festivals, going to, uh, parades and that sort of thing. I walk into a recruiter's office and they say, Hey, come on down. I got a meeting at the local high school. And I'm thinking, you know, it's going to be like a couple kids in a classroom. No, it's the entire uh, auditorium is full with all the kids there. <laughs> and he says, once you say something to him, hands me a microphone, get on the stage. Yes. I'm happy to do it. I love to do that sort of thing. So public speaking has always been a big part of who I am and what I do. And it dawned on me that, okay, what if I set up a second business to be that speaker and author? So that was 2016. And I haven't gotten around to writing that book that I was uh, that I dreamed about when I was 10, but I've written shades of it. You know, you know, you get to kind of go with the topic of the day and that sort of thing. So I've written shades of it. Uh, but one of these days, uh, yeah, that'll be like my magnum opus whenever you get around to it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand that. I definitely understand that. Now, you talk about like, you know, your discipline and and things like that kind of you know, going from the military field to the workforce. How does that translate for people that I really don't understand? Uh, how does it translate? Well, you know, the, the, here's, a, here's a great example I love to give people. God has prepared me for every next step in my life before I've taken it, um, all the way through my Air Force time. You know, no matter what I was doing, the, the, what I'm doing now is, is preparation for what comes next. Uh, for example, I was a food service officer initially. And then when I went into recruiting, of course, I'm doing that that sort of thing. But what's neat about the, the recruiting thing is you're t- you're you're selling an intangible. You're selling on one hand national security, mm-hmm. but on the other hand, you're selling a future. You know, we're going to give these people job training and the rest and a career. So you're selling intangibles. Well, that's very much what I do as a financial planner. I'm talking. I'm selling intangibles. I'm selling a future, estate planning, retirement, that sort of thing. So, you know, that that selling of intangibles was was great preparation, but. I don't want to get too deeply in the weeds on, on a story here, but this is one of those stories where you know that uh, that, that God's looking out for you. Um, recruiting is a three-year controlled tour. So I knew I was going to be doing that for a three-year controlled tour. And uh, my wife-to-be uh, was uh, was a cadet at the academy. You know, we met there. Uh, we hit it off. I graduated. She's two years behind me, so she's got to finish her time at the academy. So it came time for her to graduate. And she's going down to San Antonio, Texas uh, to for physical therapy school. So I'm looking at that saying, okay, well, I wonder if I can get to, to, to Texas so, so we could actually, you know, go there and, and get married. And uh, so I, I asked uh, recruiting. I said, okay, I know I'm in a three-year control tour, but you've got jobs in San Antonio. In fact, the headquarters in San Antonio. Can I get there with recruiting? No. Okay. Go back to my primary career field services. You've got bases there and services or headquarters is also there. 
you got jobs for me there. They said, yes, we have a job for you, but recruiting won't let you go. Fine. I let it go. I go to Greta's graduation uh, at, at the academy. I got a call one morning while I was there uh, from my boss recruiting nationwide had we organized. They deleted my job and I was going back to services. And by the way, I had the same report date as Greta to San Antonio. I mean, it's not like the Air Force reorganized recruiting for me. No, this was God stepping in and making it happen. We carpooled to our first assignments <laughs> down in San Antonio. I mean, that's that's just when you know God's hand is there. Um, so where was I going with this? <laughs> I love telling that story. And I got into the weeds on that story. Oh, it's as far as God preparing me. So anyway, I'm back into services. And my thing is uh, food service, fitness, and lodging. Those are the things that I'm in charge of. And I get deployed to Saudi Arabia. Well, in mm -hmm. Saudi Arabia, I'm in charge of everything that services does. You know, I throw in the libraries and throw in all the rest of it, including mortuary affairs which is processing bodies and stuff and sending them back to the States for burial and that sort of thing. Well, I hate dead bodies. One thing I'll tell you is no, thank you. Uh, you find that uh, um, uh, runners of funeral homes and uh, morticians and whatever else, they have the best sense of humor, anybody that you can imagine because they have to, I mean, it's just, right. it's just that the way it is. So, but anyway, I was in Saudi Arabia. I'm, I'm the chief mortuary officer for a six country region. So I had to get deeply into how to do this job and make sure I'm prepared to do it. And when I came back to the States, my next assignment was Vandenberg Air Force Base. The day that I set foot on the base and started my assignment, there was a triple, triple, murder, a triple murder suicide. And I, and I was the man because mortuary was part of my field, and I'd been trained and prepared to do this. So that's just one example of God has trained me every step of the way for what comes next. So – when the time and and so as a mortuary officer at Vanderbilt Air Force Base, um, one of the things that I did, I, I would do financial presentations for people uh, because I knew I was going to follow on to that. Remember, my, my boss had called or my dad's boss had called me years ago and told me that would be my follow on field. So I, I would do financial presentations to people and I would talk about, you know, make sure you know where you want to be buried and what you want to do. You don't don't make a grieving spouse have to figure all this stuff out, write out a plan. That's, you know, that's estate planning. That's uh, that's that's, uh, you know death planning and that sort of thing. And I did that in the Air Force. And I do that now as a financial planner. I stepped right into the same shoes. God prepared me each step of the way for what came next. So I think if you're being intentional about the things that you do and going to things that interest you, you're going to find that uh, there's, there's going to be a building process that leads you there, that you're, there's going to be skills that you develop that are going to go with you into the next thing that you do. And if that's not the case, of course, you have to jump in with both feet. you got to learn your field and do the best that you can do. But I think you're going to find that a lot of your background, if you're going into things that actually interest you and things that uh, that you find fascinating, that there are going to be pieces in your background that are going to build the building blocks of what you're going into. Mm -hmm. That actually makes that, a lot of that sense. Makes, it, that makes transitions easier, I guess, is what I'm trying to get with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Like you said, like, you know, it's kind of like following the breadcrumbs to get to, like, you know, the destination of where you're going. Instead of like, you know, kind of like you're you have a flashlight, but you're just completely surrounded by darkness. You don't really know where you're going. It's kind of like, OK, five steps, this maybe five steps that. So, yeah, definitely understand that. Now, as far now, as I will tell you, I love I love the flashlight analogy, though, because the flashlight shows you what you're looking at and what you're looking at is going to be your focus. Right. But where you see the dark spots in front of you, that's where there's obstacles. That's the, that's the way a flashlight works. 
So you try to see further away, but if you can't see very far, it's because there's obstacles in the way. So it takes a change in perspective, a change, a change in uh, movement, or go forward, you're going to get beyond that obstacle and you're going to see further. There's always it's, That's just the way a flashlight works, but the flashlight in a dark room is a great way to describe how we go through this life. As we're looking around that room, we're trying to pick a path, and we're always going to see a shadow, and that shadow is going to be an obstacle for us to get past. Yes, yes, I agree with you on that. I, I definitely agree. And like you said, the obstacle to get over that. Once you get over it, you just like, ah, and now I get it. The light, the light is here. So yeah, I get that. You know, we're going to go into a little bit of the financial thing you were talking about. Um, wanted to ask you, was this like, you know, something that you really was passionate about talking about and helping people with their financials and and, 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 th- and things of that nature? Absolutely. And, uh, Forgive me, I can't get deeply in the weeds on this one because you know if I'm going to talk on the financial band, it's got to go through compliance and all that kind of stuff. So that's, <laughs> I'd, I'd rather I'd rather keep this on I'd rather keep this on the uh, the speaking side of things with the leadership and that sort of stuff because if we get deeply in the weeds on the fi- finance stuff, I'll be saying, okay, well, send me a copy of this. I can send it to compliance and they need to approve it. So yeah, I don't want to go to the financial road if we can help it. <laughs> no, no <laughs> problem, no answer, problem. Simple answer to your question is yes. <laughs> <laughs> no problem, no problem. We'll, 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 we'll skip that one for now. Um, <laughs> Okay, so now the public speaking, you know, you said you was like, you know, growing up with that, it was easy for you to speak. Now, how do you imagine, when, let's just say you're speaking in front of a room of five or 600 people, businessman, whatever the case is. How do you, what do you imagine to kind of get you through a smooth transition of, of telling whatever you're public speaking about? Well, everyone's got their own style. And a lot of people try to memorize what it is they're going to say. That trips me up. I have never been very good at memorizing a speech because if I'm trying to memorize a speech, I'm trying to think, okay, what comes next and what comes next and what comes next. And if I do that, I lose focus. So what I try to do is actually I learn my topic and just talk to my topic. You know, it, 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 it's, it, it flows better. It comes from the heart. And I think that's really the key is that it has to come from the heart. You have to train the heart so that you're up there with something that you can give to people. You know, you're basically you're loving the audience. You know, love is generosity and action. So what you're providing to people is generosity and action. And that comes from you learning your topic and now sharing that topic with them. So I think that's the the key perspective uh, when you're standing on stage and trying to to speak to a whole room of people is you're you're faced with with a dichotomy of fear or love. And fear, that selfish emotion, is is going to pull you within yourself and say, okay, uh, what do I have to lose in this scenario? If I screw up, if I trip or whatever else, these people are going to laugh at me. These people aren't going to hire me. These people are going to think I'm an idiot. That's the fear side of the equation, that we're all standing up there, the blood's draining from our face, got a microphone in our hand. We should be saying something, but we're not. The love side of that says, what do I have to give? What is it that I'm here to help this person with or this room full of people with? What is it they've hired me to do? I want to give them the best that I have to give. And that perspective is what really makes the difference on that stage. Um, and, and it really makes a difference in everything that we do because that that follows us uh, really in everything that we do in, in our jobs, in our families and the rest. When we're faced with that, that fear and love choice, of what do I have to lose? What what is this going to cost me? Our fear of commitments, our fear of uh, and, uh, relationships, even our fear of success. You know, if I do well in this, they're going to give me a whole lot more to do, and I, I kind of like having my weekends off. You know, we sabotage ourselves for success out of fear. Whereas, if we can turn that around and say, okay, what do I have to give? 
and mm-hmm. and and try to try try to be that generous person of offering yourself to other people and what what's your what the knowledge that you have it, that change in perspective makes a difference in everything that we do that makes sense that makes a lot of sense that actually makes a lot of sense now i wanted to, to kind of discuss and go into you know your your academy uh Okay. Can you can you go into a little bit in depth of, about what you know what what is it about and everything? Now you're talking Yankee Academy, not the Air Force Academy, right? Yeah, 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 Yankee. Your, your Academy, your Academy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, as you can tell, the Academy is a big part of my life. I even made it into this this uh, this name. Uh, so Yankee Academy. Um, one is kind of a logo thing, you know. Uh, my my Yankee financial logo is uh, is a Y with an F attached to it. Well, if you extend that F down, you turn it into an A. <laughs> so it, it, it was kind of kind of a logo thing but at the same time i'm, I'm a very academy oriented guy so there's yankee academy uh I'm, I'm a teacher at heart uh that's one thing again going back to the financial side of things one thing that i love about my job is that i get to teach if it's a seminar it's a room full of people if it's one-on-one it's like tutoring but i get to teach but i don't have mm-hmm. a teacher's life i'm not tied to a school schedule i'm not tied to you know government funding and all that sort of stuff i get to have the freedom to teach what i want how i want to who i want so Yankee Academy really is my outlet for teaching. It's where I get to be the teacher on the topics that that matter to me. You know, on the financial realm, talking about compliance, whatever I talk about this week has been approved by compliance last week. That's just the mm-hmm. way it is. Mm-hmm. And you got to stick to the script. The, the Yankee Academy side of things, I can talk politics, religion, whatever you want to talk about, because it's entirely up to me. That is my outlet for for my jobs of passion, the things I want to talk about, the, 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 the truth that I want to share. That, that's Yankee Academy. That's that's me reaching out and saying, I've got something to share. This is my outlet for sharing it. Mm, see, yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I think I think with your, with your academy, that's actually really good for people who really want to express themselves in a certain way, especially in a public speaking way. You know, you when some you say like you have someone's have have something to say, but <laughs> when you have something, to, <laughs> sorry about that. When you have no something to say and, uh, you know, you want to reach it to the people, to the masses, that actually works both ways. It's with public speaking and writing books. I think it, you know, it's like it goes hand in hand together, actually. Absolutely. Yes, it does. And it's funny when I set it up, you know, one of my my, my key motivations is why, uh, you know, I, I always want to get down to why are we doing this? You know, in science, you can learn how something functions, but it's philosophy that discusses the why. And the why goes back to our deepest motivations and what drives us. It's that fear and that love. It's that, that hope. It's, you know, the why is fundamental for what we do. And so my tagline for it, uh, you know, Yankee Academy begins and ends with why. And of course, why is W-H-Y, but it's also the letters. It does begin and end with why. So a little tongue in cheek, but it's, it's core for what, for the way I see the world. I want to understand why. You, you tell me, yes, no, you, you can do this, you can't do that. Wonderful. Now let's talk about why. And if you talk about the why, you just might find that you can do these things from the right perspective. You know, we, we shoot down a lot of people's dreams in this world. You know, there was a there was a time when they said we should just close the patent office because everything that can be invented has been invented. We shoot down a lot of people's dreams because we say to them that what you want to do has never been done before. Therefore, we're not going to allow it. Um, I actually saw an article this morning uh, uh, quoting Taylor Swift. You know, what has been the key to her success? And part of the key to her success is that when somebody when she comes up with this great idea and somebody says to her, but that's never been done before. Okay. Instead of saying, oh, OK, we, we shouldn't do that. She says, well, that's the perfect reason to actually do it. And it's hard to argue with her success. 
But but, I, but we spend a lot of time in this life shooting down people's dreams, telling them just because it hasn't done, been done before, it shouldn't be done. Think about the visionaries over the last uh, number of decades or millennia uh, that actually did it uh, because they didn't listen to the naysayers. That actually makes a lot of sense, excuse me, um, sure. because I think about Steve Jobs or Bill Gates mm-hmm. or Mark Zuckerberg or, you know, the countless. Elon Musk. Elon That's Musk. Yeah, no, of course. Um, <laughs> Jeff Bezos. I mean, you know, I I never thought that Amazon would become what it is today. You know, like I thought it was cool in the beginning, but the fact that it's just basically taken over the world, essentially. Yeah, in, about, in about 20 years. I mean, just how quickly. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I don't know. Like, everything is like, uh, do I want a T-shirt? Amazon. Do I want, you know, do I want shoes, whatever, hats, you know, whatever the case, Amazon, Amazon. So, yeah, exactly. I definitely I definitely agree with you on that. So, let me ask you a question. Uh, if you have, you know, like a young a young person like yourself who's looking for answers and they come to you, what what best advice would you give to them to kind of look towards the future? I used to teach junior achievement. So actually, I've been in this mode of talking to young people uh, plenty of times. And one thing that I, I tell people is that businesses <laughs> come into being to fill a need. You know, we like to look at the, the the Amazons of the world and just we see the business model and how 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 great they're doing. We don't go back to the seed of what it is that the need they came to fill. And that goes for any business, because when you forget your mission, when you forget what it is that drives you, that's how businesses fall apart. I'd love to give the example of Kodak. You know, Kodak uh, growing up uh, was synonymous with pictures. You know, mm-hmm. when you thought Kodak, you thought pictures. They actually pioneered the digital camera, but they put it on the shelf because of all their products geared toward uh, copying and producing pictures and, and physical film. The digital camera, they said, would uh, would take away from their primary product base. They forgot that they were synonymous with just photographs and they got geared towards simply their products and they got left behind and they're out of business because others took the digital camera and ran with it. So, you know, you've got to always stay with the core. That why is what you do. That why is the mission of who you are. So when you're talking to a young person, you say, okay, recognize that in some way you're going to have a job in the future. It'll either be a job that you dream up or it's a job that someone else has dreamed up. But whatever job you have, you've got to focus on what is the mission of that job? What is the why that they're trying to solve? What is the need that is out there that uh, that they're fulfilling? Because that is purpose. That is what is going to define success versus failure, is your devotion to that mission. It, that's, that's, that's purpose in being. Um, so what I like to teach people is a way to be devoted to the mission, is to, to recognize that it is purpose for everything that you do. If you're going to be part of this company, you got to be devoted to the mission. And that's going to lead to promotions. That's going to lead to other things that you're going to uh, be involved in, but it's the people that, and it, this is going to come back to that fear and love thing again, but, uh, you know, somewhere along the way, you, you, you get the bean counters. They, they come along and they say, you know, that, uh, what do we have to lose instead of what do we have to give? You know, typically that happens with major companies when the visionary, uh, passes on the visionary came in and said, we got to fill a need. They built a company to fill the need. 
they pass on, the heirs take over, and the heirs, they see dollar signs. And so now they're worried about, okay, well, how do we get more dollar signs out of it? We need to cut costs. We need to cut this and that. They've totally forgotten what the mission of the organization was, and that's how things fall apart. So you want to be the person who's devoted to the mission that helps to drive it forward. And if it's your baby, if you're the visionary, if this is your business, then it's going to live and die on your devotion to the mission. But we all need that. You know, you've heard of the purpose-driven life and all of that. You know, we have to have a purpose. And that's what that mission is. When you find your way to, to fulfilling a need for society, that's what your mission is. And if it's a great need, you're going to be a great person or at least have a great result. Um, I, I love to give this example. You know, if, if, if the world were to truly crash and burn right now, at some point, someone's going to say, well, people need water. I can go get water and you guys could uh, you know, pay me to go get the water. Someone's going to need food. Well, farmer so-and-so out here has got uh, some crops and he's got uh, some cows and whatever else. And here comes an economy again. That's how the economy starts. I've got this. I can sell it to you for that. We get into a barter system. And at some point, it'll turn into cash so we can, instead of just being paid in chickens. But that's how an economy functions, is by fulfilling needs. So what I tell that young person is find a way to have a purpose-driven life where you're fulfilling a need for someone, some society, somewhere. Mic drop on that one. I... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> there, is, there is nothing else I need to add. I was going to say something, but no, you actually covered the whole spectrum. Mic drop on that one. <laughs> Appreciate it. Appreciate it. No problem. No problem. So where now in the next, you know, five to 10 years, where do you think you'll, you, you'll be heading with, you know, with your company and everything that you're doing, do you think you're going to change anything or you're going to just keep going straight ahead forward? Well, honestly, uh, a lot of where I am in life has been through faith. Uh, I, God has led me through every step along the way, as I said earlier, that uh, he's kind of prepared me for each next step. So I'm going to keep saying my prayers. I'm going to keep doing what I do. And I'm going to be walking through the doors that uh, that God opens. Um, my day job, I expect, will stay roughly the same. I hope it will grow and uh, hope it will flourish and take care of my family and all the things that we need. And that makes the speaking side and the authoring side just be that that job of passion where it, I don't need it to feed my family. I can focus simply on fulfilling people's needs. I'm not out there scrambling trying to find another speaking job just so we can eat this week. So I appreciate that God's put me in this position where, you know, keep the day job and do the uh, the other side here for for teaching and so i'm going to i'm going to go through the doors that god opens for me and uh, I, i'd love to share the message more with uh, uh living the cardinal virtues uh being a servant leader and being having that devotion and purpose in life uh that uh, that really gets you out of bed excited to beat the next day okay okay now we we can you know we only got a couple more questions you know left for you um the cardinal what you just said um, can yeah. you can you kind of go into that a little bit more, a little bit more deeper, if that's OK? Sure. So there's four cardinal virtues, and these are actually enumerated in uh, philosophy. I go back to Aristotle and the rest, uh, but they're also enumerated in the Bible. Uh, now, on the Catholic side, because the you know, Protestant side doesn't have the Book of Wisdom, but uh, the Book of Wisdom in chapter eight, verse seven, actually lists out the cardinal virtues. And the cardinal virtues, uh, again, like I said, it, it dovetails also with philosophy, but you have prudence. Prudence is making sure that you know what you ought to do. Justice is giving your all to it. Temperance is using, using things in their proper context and the way they should be used. And fortitude is that diligence, that marching forward of continuing on and pressing through through, through hard things. Mm -hmm. So the cardinal virtues are four things. It's prudence, justice, 
temperance and fortitude. Now, the key there, though, is there's a, there's a, there's a fifth one that's understood. And this one, if, going back to the Bible again, if you look in Colossians 3, you find that love binds all the, all the virtues together. So really, there's five cardinal virtues. You've got the prudence, the justice, the temperance, the fortitude, and then there's the love. And love, again, is the virtues in action. It's taking action in the world in a virtuous way. So when I, when I said that uh, talking about the principles of servant leadership involved the cardinal virtues, I didn't intend to write it this way, but here you go. Uh, my first, every, 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 every speaker has to have their, acon- acon- uh, their uh, acronym, right? Mm-hmm. So mine is the servant leader cares, C-A-R-E-S. C is for communication, prudence. That's letting people know what it is that they should do, having a two-way street with that, uh, being a leader that actually communicates the mission, gives people a sense of purpose. Accompaniment, there's justice. Giving your all to the organization, being the example that you expect them to follow. They want them to be there early, be there before them. You want them to stay late, be there after them. But you set the example of what needs to be done. You're in the trenches with them. R is responsibility. Give it as much as possible to allow people to grow, but you can't delegate responsibility. Take responsibility for what happens in that organization. That's temperance. And then there's the uh, evolve. That's the fortitude, looking to the future. Evolve your, your business and evolve your people. Give your people the training they need to grow. Give your business the five and 10 year plans it needs to know where it's headed. That's that evolution. And then all of that is wrapped up in service. There's the love. You've done all those things. Now you actually have to be there and do what your people need you to do. The door opens and we've got a problem that we have to solve. Great. How do we solve it together? Be there with your people and serve them in the organization. The servant leadership is you can have these principles of leadership, but if if you don't do the service, you've missed the the most important part. And that's the charity that binds it all together. So that's how the cardinal virtues relate to servant leadership. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That actually makes a lot of sense. You know, that makes a ton of sense. Okay. Okay. So, <clears throat> yeah, because that last one actually interests me, you know, like cardinal leadership, you know, to act, you know, to service. So, absolutely. It, yeah, it's a question in there I wanted to ask, but it's kind of, I'm trying to try to get it out. <laughs> but if it comes back to me, I'll come back to you. But I, you know, I definitely wanted to say thank you so much, you know, for definitely uh, coming on the show. Uh, we'd love Thanks. to, you know, love to have you back on again. You know, just to talk some more with you uh, about everything, actually, you know, like everything that's going on. So I appreciate you coming on. Please tell the people where, you know, they can find you, find your academy, you know, everything. Absolutely. So, you know, you mentioned it's Yankee Academy. So real simply, my website is www.yankeeacademy.com. And from there, there are links to contact me or whatever else you'd like to hire me to come speak. That's what I live for. Please give me the opportunity. Um, love to. Uh, my recent book, though, is The Personal Rosary. And in The Personal Rosary, it goes, it, it's a Catholic devotional. So it's, you know, kind of geared toward a certain audience. Um, but where the rosary is a reflection on events in the life of Christ, the personal rosary is about the fact that we are the body of Christ in the world. We're not supposed to be just reflecting on what he did. We are supposed to be doing it today. So it's a reflection on living the mysteries in our lives today, being Christ in the world. Uh, So there's a website for that as well, www.thepersonalrosary.com. All right. All right. Like I said, you can find them and I will post his links, uh, you know, in the, in the review of the show at the bottom of the uh, description of it. Uh, so you can definitely like click the links, check him out, you know, check out the situation because he's doing a lot of good things. 
Like I said, we appreciate him coming on the show. Um, you can follow me at Travis W. Reed. That's R-E-E-D, Travis W. Uh, and uh, on Instagram and Facebook, uh, post all my social media stuff. So this will be this will be coming up. You know, this week the show will be posted up pretty soon. So got to do a little bit of editing to it. But like I said, uh, great show. So uh, follow me on those. And also, uh, once you see this on YouTube, you can see the Travis Reed Athletes Journey merch. Uh, like I said, just DM me or message me, and I'll send that out to you. Other than that, like I said, thanks y'all for coming back. We'll talk to y'all later. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.